Hey, good morning, everybody. It is Monday, October 7th, 2019. Thanks for checking in. Uh, I hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. Um, I wish I could say I had the same, a wonderful weekend, but I was marred with the unfortunate tasks of repairing my two tires on my bicycle I really wanted to go out and do some filming and stuff like that for my YouTube channel. Um, go to a, I wanted to go to a uh, a festival of sort uh, in Richmond, California, and it was a tiny homes minimalist type of event where they have you know different um, tiny homes, right, and other ways of you know combating uh, living off uh, living on the grid, basically. You know, you can get ideas about uh, solar panels and, you know, living off the grid and, you know, that type of minimalistic uh, lifestyle. And I was kind of curious about it and I wanted to take a look at it and I was going to film it. But I'm telling you, even after my last podcast when I talked about my, uh, my, my, my bike getting a flat on me, just after I bought a tube for my, my, uh, my front tire, I get a flat tire in the back. Walked about four or five miles that time. Well, over the weekend, it happened again. Um, I repaired the tire, went out. Then the new t- new uh, tube, it ended up getting a flat after leaving my home and pedaling about a mile. Uh, the, the foldable tire that I got, that I was using, it basically, it, it, when, the ti- when the inner tube goes flat... Um, it leaves the tire itself to just kind of come out from under within the rim and to shoot everywhere, which basically it's just like a flat rubber piece that's wrapped around the rim of your front tire, and then the inner tube's exposed, and then that thing comes flying out. So luckily, I had a 15 millimeter uh, socket wrench to yeah to remove the front rim to remove the tire and the the um inner tube that way I can just kind of quickly put the rim back on the bike and then I had to push it about a mile on bare rim with the inner tube and the tire kind of just over my shoulder it was just horrible it felt embarrassing and I had to do that about 3 times until I finally just said, you know, enough, you know, I, I was so frustrated 
kept putting on these patches. And I made a video of that. I, I should put that out. I was kind of debating if I was going to blast uh, slime patches. And if you don't know what slime is, slime is like the number one. Uh, well, it's a so-called popular, I don't want to say it's number one. I I wouldn't say it's number one. It's a uh, product, you know, you, st- you stick the, the tube into your valve stem of your of your car tire, your bike tire, whatever, and you shoot the green goop into it, and it's supposed to self-seal. That shit don't work. I don't know why why it's, everybody praises that. I, that shit does not work. I had to replace the, the stem within the valve because the green shit was gooping it up and, and just screwing up the valve stem, so I couldn't remove air out of the tire if I needed to replace the tire fully. And uh, when it does, you know, when I do get a puncture, the green shit comes out, but it doesn't seal it. So then I have to sit, now the whole inside of the inner tube is green slime. So I'm trying to put a, ha- a patch over the, the gash of, in, of, the, of the tube. And in doing so, uh, the green shit comes, still comes out into the, onto the patch, the self-sealing, the self uh, adhesive patch, and it just kind of makes it slippery, and it doesn't adhere. It just doesn't work. So from now on, my recommendation is don't get yourself a slime tire tube, self-sealing tube. Don't get those things, and don't get the slime. They call them slime scabs, and basically, there's you peel them off the little piece of paper, and then you stick them on the tube, and then you blow up your t- inner tube. You put the inner tube back in the tire, you blow it up, and then it's supposed to work. That shit doesn't work. So I was just absolutely frustrated with my damn bike. So much so that I ended up, I'm checking in as I'm speaking to you, I I bought a, not only a brand new inner tube, I, I bought myself, now this is probably contradictory to what I'm saying, but it has nothing to do with sealing anything, uh, sealing an inner, inner, any inner tube. My God, I need more coffee just a second here. Uh, so my first sip of coffee this morning. But I, I did have to, I did end up buying this little four pack of um, four way valve tool with the four way valve cores. I don't know why I got it. It's only a buck eighty seven. I figured, well, what the hell? And it's a slime product too. But it has nothing to do with you know uh, repairing inner tubes or self uh, repaired inner tubes. It's just a tool. But I got one of those. I ended. I was so frustrated because I must have took. Uh, Oh, the nightmare of taking off. Now, this is not one of those rims where you can just, you know, take off the, uh, you know, it's just a quick release. It's not like that. You have to use a 15 millimeter to uh, unscrew and screw back on uh, the rim of the tire. It's an older bike, so it doesn't have a self-removal uh, type of rim. It doesn't have one of those gizmos. So, anyhow... I just said out of frustration, it just kept taking it on and off, on and off, on and off. And, and you know, just combating this flat tire issue I was having. Uh, I ended up getting a, one of these portable, adjustable um, uh, mechanical bicycle uh, bike repair rack stand, I guess you could say. And uh, it, it only cost 38 bucks, 39 bucks. I said, what the hell? You know, it's one of the cheapest ones I, I could find on. Because I got tired of, like, leaning my bike up against the wall while removing the tire. It's just, a, if you know what I'm talking about, it's a pain in the ass. 
So I went ahead. I said, what the hell? It was 38 bucks, 39 bucks, I should say. And I just bought one of those. It, it just, <laughs> don't know. That was just, I don't know. Maybe I should, it was just kind of a waste of, I don't know. It might be beneficial. I don't know. Also, I bought myself a, you know, an inner tube, another inner tube. And I checked the inside wall of that, that bike tire to see if there's any glass or thorn, remnants of thorns or anything that could puncture an inner tube if I put a new inner tube in there again. And there was nothing in there. So I don't know why it just kept giving me flats. I, to this day, I still don't know why. I, I, I checked that tire in and out, inside of it, outside of it, for any type of obstruction that would penetrate through the inner tube. Nothing. So... I made sure I got the correct size tube this time. I, everything. I even bought myself patent, not the slime patches, but I bought some uh, self-adhering patches. I bought a lot of them. I mean, a lot. A hundred of them on top of uh, buying some uh, vulcanizing rubber cement type glue. Because I'm, I'm telling you, man, if I'm going to stick that son of a bitch on the inner tube and have to go through this nightmare again, I'm going to make sure everything's glued up. So it was a nightmare of a weekend, bicycle repair nightmare of a weekend. Hey, so, okay, um, I'm just going to kind of flip through today's news and yesterday over the, yesterday's news over the weekend. Uh, looks like uh, there's a tenant problem, you know, the tenants are having problems now. I, I spoke about my first podcast about Hayward allowing, you know, these renovators come in, you know, fix up these new apartments for affordable housing, and then kick out the previous tenants, you know, elderly tenants. So basically, they're moving in people off the street to kick people onto the street. The revolving door syndrome I'm, you know, I'm speaking of that I talked I talked about it in Hayward. Well, it seems like this problem now is happening again in Antioch. So I'm going to get into that. Uh, Raiders win. I might say something about that. I just kind of flipped through the paper. Nothing really to uh, talk about. So, we'll get right to that right after this break. Alright, welcome back. Um... Just flipping through uh, Sunday's paper, as well as today's paper, morning paper. <clears throat> I'm just going to kind of jump out at a couple things that stood out, I'll speak about. Um, give me a second here, I'm adjusting the microphone I use. Sunday's paper here in the East Bay Times, basically right in the front page, right in your damn face. Can we afford to go all electric? That is the title of this paper, uh, this article, excuse me, paper. Um, so if you haven't heard, that was the big bright idea is from now on, all homes will be electrically powered, solar powered, uh, with no help from natural gas. And this is that article that speaks about how much it's going to cost you, the homeowner, in the long run. And I'll just jump in here real quick. It's an article from the Bay Area News Group by John Woolfolk. California has some of the highest average residential electric rates in the country, but average monthly bills are among the lowest 
because homes in the Golden State use less electricity than those in most other states. But a big question looms as California cities like San Jose, Berkeley, and Menlo Park ban natural gas in new homes in a bid to reduce carbon dioxide emissions linked to global warming. Will residents get socked with higher electrical electricity bills? The answer likely is yes, at least in the Bay Area, though it involves a host of assumptions about gas and electricity rates, appliance costs and efficiency, and regional differences in energy use, igniting a fierce debate among environmental and industry advocates. Uh, quote, it's a really complicated topic, said Carmelita Miller, a lawyer with Oakland's Greenlining Institute, a social justice group that supports efforts to fight climate change but wants to ensure they don't penalize the state's poor. We want to make sure we end up with healthier people living in their homes and affordable access to clean energy. Uh... I, I I just uh, I, you know this is just it, it's exactly what that last paragraph is. It is going to affect the poor. Reason being is, well, uh, right here on the same page, front page, <clears throat> and cost of energy is two hundred dollars yearly rise or fall of net energy costs in newly built all electric Bay Area houses and low rise apartment buildings. Uh, one in ten newly built Bay Area all-electric homes that would see an increase of more than $100. $400 potentially yearly energy cost increase for new all-electric Bay Area homes if there are steep rate increases. So is it, you know, <clears throat> you're saving the planet, but it's going to cost you more. <clears throat> Excuse me, man. Morning, fuck clear my throat you know I, I wasn't going to get into that but you know this is just another thing of like okay you want to sit there and save the world but you know you're going to end up being in living in a tent doing so um according to the let me go on with this article uh, according to the American Gas Association which represents companies that sell natural gas excuse me US, hold, US holds that use it for heating, cooking, and other clothes drying, save an average of $874 a year compared with homes using electricity. Quote, restricting consumer choice and affordability through this ban will make us more dependent on expensive and unreliable energy sources, said Rock Zierman, chief executive of the California Independent Petroleum Association. But an April study by San Francisco environmental consulting firm Energy and Environmental Economics, which supports a transition to a low-carbon economy, presents a more nuanced picture of potential cost impacts in most of California. Uh, so it just goes on. It, it just basically, I'm not going to get into the details. That's good. I'm not going to ruin my time with that. <coughs> basically... California wants you have less control of how you use your energy and where you get your energy resources. That's not your decision. That's their decision. They want to control it. And you're going to pay for it. <clears throat> That's what that amounts to. So, Basically, the question is, can we afford to go all electric? 
Uh, no. I don't think we can. I don't know if any electric planes are going to commute to and fro uh, the Bay Area to Hawaii. I'm still wondering on how that Green New Deal is going to work there, AOC. Um, I do want to get to that. I'm probably going to get to this, this subject in Antioch. What's happening, happened in Hayward is happening in Antioch with people being booted to the side. Uh, let's see. I'm just flipping through the pit. The pages here. <laughs> you know, I wanted to talk about that peach and you know that that impeachment of Donald J. Trump. It, it's just bullshit. Everybody knows. I mean, you got to have a come. You have to have brain cells even see that. See Adam Schiff and the rest of those goons. Here's a, here's something interesting. It's a picture of that idiot Governor Gavin Newsom of California. It has a picture, a caption underneath him saying, Governor Gavin Newsom's keynote address to a United Nations-sponsored forum on the environment and economic growth highlighted California's economic achievements. Douchebag. California is fucking the worst. I don't know what... The economy... You could say we have the sixth largest economy, but the debt surpasses the growth. So, I just wish they quit saying we're the sixth largest economy. We're such we're a beacon of hope in America. Oh, you know all these fucking liberals in, in Sacramento saying that shit. That's bullshit. You guys are just garbage. You guys can't even. You, 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 that's why you're taxing the hell out of the the poor working man. That's why. That's why people are putting up tents because they can't afford. All these taxes and all these regulations you keep piling on everybody. Everybody's becoming homeless. You got the you what? You got the greatest economy in America. You could be your own country. Yeah, you could be your own country, and you could be just like Venezuela too. So here's Gavin Newsom. Looks like he's uh, <clears throat> trying to educate the world on how the economy and poverty should be combated. By California standards, which is a joke. <laughs> I don't know if this is an opinion or what. Um, it, it is a view. It says it's in their other views page. Let me check this out for a second. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead. I just kind of glanced, paused the recording for a second and read this article. And I'm going to read it. I think it's interesting. I think it's something that we have to address in California. Do as quickly as possible. I'm going to jump through this article. Um, <clears throat> article by uh, Dan Walters of Cal Matters. The California Paradox. Economy and Poverty at Record Highs. Uh, by Hampstons, events in the final week of September perfectly framed what one might call the California paradox. A thriving world-class economy with stubbornly high levels of poverty and a winding divide between the haves and have-nots. The week began with Governor Gavin Newsom, keynote address to a United Nations-sponsored forum on the environment and economic growth in which he, crow he crowed about California's economic achievements. 
Here we go. Quote, it's an interesting fact that this country is running $1 trillion a year deficit. California is running historic budget surpluses. Newsom told the international audience, it's an interesting fact that California has enjoyed the lowest unemployment rate in its history, more consecutive months of net job creation than any time in its history, and significantly outperforming the United States of America in GDP growth over a five-year period, not despite our environmental strategies, but because of our environmental strategies. Quote, as we change the way we produce and consume energy, it is is spawning new companies, new energy, new growth. We lead in venture capital and green tech. Five to one. Five to one the number of clean energy jobs in the state of California versus fossil fuel jobs. First off, you can thank Trump for, for kick-starting the economy. Getting small business. The, the, what he's talking... He, he, he's trying to push in green energy jobs is the reason that California is has a surplus of revenue but that's not true either because we while we are we do have jobs out there and jobs are a plenty I see those signs that say now hiring they're everywhere many of those jobs are your your blue collar worker type of jobs manufacturing jobs you know service jobs uh, maybe working at a counter at a Seven Eleven type of jobs, just you know, jobs in that general. They're not all green initiative jobs, so you know, for that he's wrong. They may be leading that industry, but they're not. That's not the sole reason why California ha- is bringing in revenue. But like I said, there's a debt to the whole thing. There's a, there's a f- other side to that coin. Uh but, like I said, here's the other side of that coin. But a few days later, the Census Bureau released new state-by-state data on income and poverty, underscoring once again that California is one of the leaders in both categories. While California median personal income rose by 2.3% in 2018 uh, to $75,277, one of the nation's highest levels, it was one of only five states in which the quote-unquote Gini Index, which measures income inequality, increased. Quote, new census figures released today show rising income inequality across the state in millions of California residents who are struggling to get by on extreme low incomes. While higher income households experienced more income growth, the California Budget and Policy Center said in its analysis of the Census Bureau data. The organization noted that from 2006 to 2018, the median household income in California increased by 6.4% after adjusting for inflation, but the average real income for the lowest quintile of households those in the bottom 20%, actually decreased by 5.3%, while the inflation-adjusted average income for the top 5% of the households increased by 18.6%, or nearly three times as much as the increase of the median income. That analysis is in line with another recent measure of well-being by an organization called the Social Progress Imperative, It merges dozens of economic and other factors to generate a social progress index 
for nations and their subdivisions, including states, and California doesn't fare well. It ranks 33rd among states, and not surprisingly, its housing crisis is a major reason why. The index places it at 49th in the category of basic human needs, which includes a 50th place in shelter. So basically, we're ranked 49th out of 50, 50 being a shelter. <laughs> there you go. That tells you what's going on in California. That's, that's what really is going on in California right there. Just that sentence alone. Finally, a few days after Newsom bragged about California's economic achievements to the elite economic gathering in New York, UC Berkeley's Institute of Governmental Studies released its latest poll, revealing that half of the state's voters have considered leaving the state. Quote, The high cost of housing, which is 71%, is the most common reason given by voters for wanting to leave California. Polling director Mark DeCamillo Camillo, sorry, said, however, high taxes, 58%, and the state's political culture, 46%, are also prom prominently mentioned, particularly by Republicans and conservatives. Moreover, just 50% of those surveyed agree that California is now the best place to live. There you have it, the California paradox. Interesting article. I just love how, you know, you got, you got a guy like Gavin Newsom sitting there and saying, you know, California is such a great place. Well, we're, we're the sixth largest economy in the world. I think he even said in the world. Him and Jerry Brown said that. But the homeless crisis, it just continuously grows. See, they won't tell you that there is a deficit that has to be applied to that that revenue once you once you put the put the deficit with the revenue and then you do the numbers california's on the decline taxation regulation all that shit plays a factor has a ripple effect on our economy our local economies and that's going to play into my next segment uh, about what's going on in Antioch and the, and the homeless people, uh, the, the, the elderly people on fixed incomes. It's happening again, just like in my first podcast ever. I talked about Hayward you know, and the city council sitting there giving the green light for this, you know, these developers to come and renovate these, these homes where people have lived all their lives, especially low-income uh people on fixed incomes, you know, retirees and such. And they're basically can't afford where they live because they're renovating, so now they're sticking people with a higher bill. That's what's happening again in Antioch. That's kind of what we're starting to see happen in our communities in the Bay Area in California. So I'm going to talk I'm going to read that article because that shit pisses me off. And it looks like over but on the lighter side. And see, this is one of the things I wanted to go check out. And I was going to videotape. It just got right into my face right here. 
Yeah, they had the uh, over the weekend in Oakland, downtown Oakland, the annual Black Cowboys parade. I've been to that several times. Really great event. <clears throat> Beautiful event. A lot of black cowboys out there. Got a lot of pride. And it's a big, uh, it, it's an annual event. I like it. I love horses. I love cowboys. Home, home on range. But they do it in Oakland. Alright, so. Oh. So we'll come back with that in Antioch. I definitely want to... California, man. I mean, I could do a whole hour on, on what's going on in California. And on the flip side right here, it says... I'm just looking at an article. It just says, West Menlo Park is ranked number one in state. Ten other regional cities... Make it to the top into the top twelve. It's being the best suburbs to raise a family. Menlo Park. I don't know too many people that hang out in Menlo Park. That's probably why. Nothing going on in Menlo Park. I don't know. I, I don't hang out. I don't live there. If you live in Menlo Park, my my apologies. Not blasting your community. I just don't know nothing about it. If it's a great place to raise your family. Here in the Bay Area, whew, that's a very small place right there. It must be small. Oh, yeah. Over the weekend, we did also have a uh, 3.5 earthquake. South of San Francisco, it fell around the Bay Area. I didn't feel that. But it was off the coast. I know that. Magnitude 3.5, Saturday morning, rattled residents in San Francisco and communities to the south, the USGS reported. A A41... A.M. Quake's epicenter was just west of Colma, off the San Mateo County coast, south of San Francisco, and west of Daly City. According to the agency's map, it occurred at a depth of 3.7 miles deep. Uh, as of 9 a.m., no reports of injuries or property damage. The quake was felt across San Francisco Bay, uh, Bay in Oakland, Berkeley, Newark, Fremont, South of San Jose, according to people posting on Twitter. You know, I, to, I, I, I was thinking about that when I seen that on the news. I really didn't feel... I, I'm, I'm used to earthquakes all the time. I didn't really feel it, but I, I did feel kind of... I don't know, some kind of rolling sensation. So maybe that was it. I do remember something like that, but I don't know. So we had an earthquake. Be prepared, guys. Seriously. Really seriously. Just because these these little ones... You know, they lead up to big ones, and we had, a, you know, big ones out there in the desert not too long ago. I forgot the name of the community, but it was out there. Southern California. Uh, El Sobrante, police believe alleged meth dealer, was killed inside his vehicle. Sorry to hear about that. A bicyclist dies, and in Oakland, a bicyclist dies after colliding with two vehicles. 24-year-old... Oakland man died Thursday after his bicycle slammed into the open door of a parked car, seeing him into the path of a pickup truck that hit him. The gentleman died at the scene despite efforts to resuscitate a rescue to uh, resuscitate him on Fruitvale Avenue, according to police. He's riding his bike south when he crashed into the open door of a 97 Toyota and was parked along the West Curb. The collision caused him to fly off the bike and into the path of a 2015 Dodge Ram. 
the driver of the pickup stated, the 41-year-old guy stated the scene and cooperated with authorities. Yeah, that's another thing. You know, I'm a bicyclist, and I'm just telling you people, if you're riding your bike out there, stop. Look around. Get off your cell phones. I see a lot of that shit going on. That is just a stupid law that California has put on people. Really, it's a stupid law. You know, don't use your cell phones while driving. Okay, great. That's, a, you know, for bicyclists and pedestrians, that sounds like a great idea. But what the hell are you doing about it? Cops ain't pulling over people for that shit. They keep writing. I don't know what the fuck they're doing in, Sa in Sacramento. They're writing these laws, but they don't enforce these laws. These laws are to, you know, curtail, you know, crim either criminal behavior or, you know, encourage safety. All these laws. Just like in 4th of July or New Year's Eve, man. See, around East Oakland or Oakland in general, it's like one big frickin' war zone, man, with fireworks. You make it illegal, but people still do it. So either you're, you know, same thing with the sideshows. You got these guys doing donuts. You got hundreds of people out there encouraging people to burn through their tires and do donuts and, you know, doing all these spinning. And cops don't do anything. They sit there, they break up the party, and then they just, they don't do nothing. People get away with shit, man. You keep, you keep, you know, and it, 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 that's like I said, just another example, you know. You know, quit making up laws, quit turning it into a police state, quit putting regulations on everybody, but you don't enforce them. The real laws that matter. I can rant on that. All right, so I'm going to end right there for now. I, I want to get back. I do want to talk about this Antioch thing, this business with the homeless people getting kicked around. I think that's bullshit. So I'm going to take a break and come right back right after this little pause. Okay, I am back. Slug down some coffee, get myself primed up for this one. Um, this thing's taking forever to boot up. Oh, I'll get to that later. So, like I mentioned before, there's an article that's on the front page of the East Bay Times here, which basically is an echo to what I was talking about. What the heck is going on here? Give me one second, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, come on. Piece of garbage. You think... Ugh. My God. Anyhow. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, yeah. So this is a pretty much a... I'm echoing the same story that I did on my very, very first episode of my podcast, which was uh, city officials and the powers that be are, they're, they're hiring, they're contracting rede uh, redevelopers to go into these, these older apartment units and basically they're being bought and then renovated 
and in doing so, they're jacking up the rents. And so long time, they're jacking up the rents on long-time residents, but at the same time, they call these units uh, affordable housing. And so they're pulling people off the street into these units, these apartment units and such. Enforcing long-time residents that are happen to be on fixed incomes. And they're being pushed into the street. Physical, literally pushed into the street. So I want to get to that. And that's what this is all about. I'm going to click on this one more time see if it works. This is right here in the East Bay Times. I encourage you guys, if you don't know about the one that happened in Hayward, this is, this is one This is coming out of Antioch in Contra Costa County. And I am going to read this article. Make sure I have the page all queued up. So it's a let, I'll try to summarize it as best as possible. But if something I come up to something, I want to talk about it. Uh, it's saying, surrounded by paper piles and colorful empty... Okay, this is... Let me start off again from the beginning. Uh, this is an article from the Bay Area News Group written by Judith Preve. And the title of this article is Tenants Find quote-unquote affordable units are now more costly. And in Antioch, surrounded by paper piles and colorful empty bins stacked against her bedroom wall, retired preschool teacher Thelma Fields wonders when she will have to pack things up so that her apartment complex can be converted into affordable housing. Boom, there we go, here we go. The renovation work was promised months earlier, but the 73-year-old former Head Start teacher is just relieved that the new owner of Villa Madonna's finally approved her application to continue living there, even though it will be less affordable after her rent was hiked significantly. Uh, she says, my rent went up $151 now, and I'm the lowest on the ladder with a fixed income, Fields said, shaking her head. Fields, who is disabled now, pays the thousand seventy-six for her small one-bedroom, uh, one-bedroom apartment in the one hundred and twelve-unit complex, where monthly rents under a new affordable housing program have risen by one hundred dollars to three hundred seventy-five dollars, an average of fourteen hundred a month. Jesus. <laughs> uh, like many of her neighbors, she didn't expect a big rent increase when Reliant Management Group took over in February with plans to renovate and make the complex affordable. That's the key word, affordable, which it seems to not be. (laughs) It wasn't supposed to be like that, housing advocates say. In an effort to generate desperately needed affordable housing, California has pushed state and federal tax credit incentives for private developers willing to provide it rather than building more expensive market rate units. Oh, boy. Sorry about that. i got to turn the page. Okay. <laughs> um, so I go on to say, but an, an unintended consequence of the program is that the rents of those affordable units have risen higher than what tenants previously paid. And as a result, many have had to move or be evicted from homes they once could afford, according to housing advocates. Okay, so are you getting what's, what's happening here? This is exactly what they did in Hayward. 
the city of Hayward started doing, which was basically allowing these developers to come in and uh, buy a properties, renovate them, and then jack up the rent and call it affordable housing. And in doing so, they're pretty. I bet you they're getting some sort of tax incentive. These developers from the state by claiming it's affordable, they're doing it for affordable housing. Sounds like a hustle to me. Uh, Delia Pedroza, an Echo Housing tenant counselor in Antioch, said she has never seen anything like the exodus at Via Madonna's. Excuse my my Spanish. Uh, never seen anything like that. What's happening in Villa Madonna's, where about half of the tenants have left either by because they didn't meet income requirements or mistakenly thought they did not. This is the first. So basically, people were accidentally leaving, thinking they didn't. They weren't. They didn't qualify to stay there, and they actually did. Miscommunication. I, I would have to say on the new owner's part, reliant. Quote, this is the first I've heard of people being displaced like this, she said, adding that Reliant Management's purpose seems to be, quote, to get the tenants out, raise the rents, and have new rents pay for the renovation, unquote. And that is exactly what it is. Justine Marcus of the Inter- Enterprise Community Partners, a nonprofit that works with partners to develop affordable housing, agreed that so many displacements are unusual. In the world-preserving... Goes on, in the world of preservation of existing housing using the tax credit, there are regulatory requirements, then there are best practices for how we see mission driven developers doing this work, she said. We see all our partners doing their best to mitigate any potential displacement. This is an exception and it needs to be called out. It's only compounding our effort, our, our affordable housing crisis in the region without the time and support to help relocate displaced uh, residents. Uh, By way of comparison, Marcus points out that in the application for the housing credits, Reliant Management offered to pay $29,700 to relocate via Madonna's tenants who don't qualify for affordable units, while Midpen Housing, a nonprofit developer, allocated $1.7 million to help Relocate tenants at, at the 55-unit Atherton Court Apartments in Redwood City. The nonprofit's doing a lot more than the developers for these people. Jesus. Antioch City officials in January approved the California Public Finance Authority's issuance of up to $31 million in housing revenue bonds to help Reliant Management rehabilitate via Madonna's. So the, they, the, Antioch gave them $31 million to basically go ahead, renovate these apartments, kick the people out that can't afford it, that don't meet requirements, so-called low-income housing requirements, even though this woman's a, on a fixed income already paying over $1,000. You're going to kick her out in the street. That's, that's rich. Up to $31 million in housing revenue bonds to help Reliant Management. Jesus Christ. Good job, Antioch. Reliant purchased via Madonna's in February 
as part of a $116 million package of seven properties. It plans to renovate four of them to affordable housing complexes under a federal low-income housing tax credit program that requires tenants to meet low-income requirements. Many tenants said that they were given only one day notice about about a February 28th deadline to gather their employment and tax documents and complete the lengthy applications. New applications were later required in April. Some could have qualified but said they were confused and intimidated by the process and received little help from management. <sighs> yeah. That sounds like a good little catch-22 move. Um, Paul Rose, a Reliant Management spokesman, said, Tenants were given notice and offered help. Quote, We are very sympathetic to those who could have been uprooted through the, the creation of additional affordable housing in the Bay Area, Rose said, noting Vil Madanos sent notices to tenants and had extra staff available to help several days before the deadline. Yeah, I don't even think that. I don't even think several days is fair enough. I think you, you at least a couple of months to get their records together. A few days is not enough to get your, you know, what you need to acquire to to fill out the applications. Especially if you're on, you know, fixed income, you're going to have to go to the Social Security Department. You're going to have to do things like that. You're going to have to. You know, get your get your copy of your your you know what you receive and and benefits. I mean, just all those things matter. You you know, you just can't do it within a couple of days, especially people that are disabled, physically disabled. Rose noted that fifty two of the ninety three habitable apartments became vacant since Reliant Management took over the Antioch complex. He estimated that eighteen units are still unoccupied. These poor people, man. Wow. That's a lot of people. Quote, we don't have the specific number of how many were displaced. Tenants leave for a variety of reasons, and we aren't always provided with those reasons as to why they left, he said. Well, why do you think they left? You're, throwing, you're threatening to throw an eviction at them if they don't qualify. These are people that are disabled, many of them, elderly. They got to figure out where, how they're going to pack up all their things, get all their things taken to a safe location, a new place, storage, how to get people to help them. Because I don't see a 70-plus-year-old individual solely going out there lifting up his own furniture and dragging it and putting it into a pickup truck. I just don't see that as, as feasible. It sickens. It really does kind of sicken me. Besides, via Madonna's Reliant Management is converting the 68-unit Leisure Terrace in Hayward. Oh, shocking. Look at this. It's the same people. The 105-unit River Park Manor in Napa and the 84-unit Willow Glen in Hercules. These are the same people I just spoke of. These are the same people in Hayward that kicked out all the, the they kicked out that worked with the city of Hayward and kicked out all those people to make affordable housing. 
These are the same guys. These are the same, same sleazeballs. Look at this. Kara Broadfur with the National Housing Law Project nonprofit estimates more than 100 people were displaced in Hayward, one of the first to convert, and more than have been forced to leave at the other properties. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? These are the same scumbags. These are the same people that displaced over 100 people in Hayward. They're doing it in Antioch. Did I, did I even see this coming? I, it smelt fishy. I'll tell you one damn thing. It really did smell fishy. And what even stinks about it more about this is the fact that they're getting some sort of funding, some government funding, this Reliant Group. Quote, they'd done a poor job of communicating with tenants, she said. They were told they were not going to qualify without going through the requisite paperwork. But Rose said claims of hundreds being displaced are exaggerated, noting that there were only eight evictions filings in all. You're bullying old people. That's what the fuck you're doing. You're bullying old people. Basically saying, come up with the money or we're going to kick your ass out. And now they're probably getting some low-income millennials taking their place. Where they know mommy and daddy's going to flip the bill for them. That's what that that's just me saying that. I, I don't know. But it doesn't surprise me that they're just trying to get rid of the old and bring in the new. And then try to turn it into some sort of new... You know, property by slapping an affordable housing type of fucking title on it. Sounds like bullshit to me. These guys are scumbags, I think. It's a re- reliant management. Broadfur encounters that it all depends on how one defines eviction. Okay, here we go. Here comes the scumbag out of these developers. Quote, if you tell someone they have to leave, that's eviction, she said. Noting tenants don't want to risk go, uh, going to court and having an eviction on their record, making it impossible to rent elsewhere. To qualify to live at Villa Madonna's, the tenant's household income must not exceed 60% of the Contra Costa County's median household income. A family of two, for example, could make more than $59,520 annually. Reliant management will reserve 10% of the units for for those at 50% of the area medium household income. Rose said all new tenants must have applications completed and certified eligible by December 31st. I'm assuming of this year. One of those relocating is Shannon Dye, who is is leaving at the end of this month because she and her husband don't meet the income cap. Quote, it was such a good place before because it was natural. Affordable housing, Dye said. It wasn't creme de la creme, but it was not the ghetto. There were decent people. It was nice. We felt very fortunate to have this place. The Dyes tried to fight it when they were told they must leave. They said mistakes were made, and they were asked to reapply several times, but were offered little help in the process. 
Their rent was set to increase by $375 a month, and after a few months, Di said she had enough. After being served with an eviction notice, they recently mediated and received a small settlement to relocate. Quote, we want to get to our own one-bedroom place, what we can afford, I said. After dealing with all this, I don't want to deal with someone, quote, unquote, a landlord being over my head. Some tenants plan to petition city officials Tuesday to investigate how their complexes, complexes, conversion of affordable housing has been handled. You know, good for them. Go out there and start suing the fucking city. In fact, I encourage the individuals that that the hundred or so people that had been pushed out of their homes in Hayward, I encourage you to go ahead and file a lawsuit against the city of Hayward too. That is a scumbag move. I couldn't believe what I was reading then, and now we're here three weeks later, and it's happening again. Not only in Antioch, but it's happening in Napa and elsewhere, I believe. I just read it. And Willow Glen and Hercules. River Park Manor in Napa, Willow Glen and Hercules. You people need to step up, get yourselves an attorney, and sue the hell out of these this Reliant Management Corporation that's renovating these homes, kicking people, old people onto the street with little help, with little anything. Scumbag. Some tenants plan to petition city officials Tuesday to investigate how their complex's conversion after affordable housing has been handled. Meanwhile, Fields said she has seen little work other than some tree removal, re-roofing, and renovation of empty buildings. She packed her books and, and bought some plastic bins in July, but still has been told when the five-day renovations in her unit will begin. Reliant Management said tenants will be offered one offered daytime hospitality rooms where they can wait out renovations from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. while their units are being refurbished. All renovations include $45,000 in major upgrades per unit and a new pool will be completed by December, Rose said. With Bay Area housing so expensive, many are willing to put up with the troubles for an affordable apartment field, says. Quote, people will do anything to stay, she said. One guy took less of a job, but some were forced to move in with family. It's changing people's lives in all kinds of ways. There you go. So Reliant Management are a bunch of scumbags. People are not being helped. Just, it, it just it just reeks of scumbaggery. I just you know and you see you look at this lady she's got a cane she's walking you know she don't know what she can't fucking she can't hire movers. You know I had to hire movers when I moved into my place here six months ago. It hit me in the it hit me in the wallet big time. I'm still kind of trying to... I'm slowly recovering from the move. And now I, ha I might have to move again. 
Because I got a crazy ass neighbor, and that's another story I'll talk. I'll share with you guys sometime. But this is just horrible. This is just absolutely horrible. These are the same scumbags that kicked off those hundred plus people in Hayward. Reliant Management. If you live in an apartment in the Bay Area and Reliant Management is coming, hold on tight. Lawyer up. These people are going to fuck you over. And it looks like they're fucking up a lot more people. And you know what it is? City loves it. I think the city digs it because the city gets federal funding from this kind of crap. Federal and state funding. Oh, yeah, we're building affordable housing for, for the homeless. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Um, meanwhile, the revolving door is getting greased. And it's, it's moving again. It's beginning to rotate. Out with the old, in with the new. Jack up the prices. Here comes the revenue. I'm going to be following up on that story. I'm going to be really following up on this, this story and the other. Just like it. I think it's just scumbag stuff. All right. I'm going to take a break. It's been 22 minutes. I knew that was going to be a big article I had to go through. When I come back, I'm just going to go quickly through a lot of some goofball news and out there and stuff like that. Just a little bit of this and that. Little little goofy news, a little bit of sports. Yeah, I'm going to call it a day. So thanks for sticking in there as long as you have, and I'll be right back after this break. All right, woo, fresh coffee coming up. All right, oh, God, so much to talk about, so much to go over. It's just, I don't know, it's crazy. I'll do my best. Uh, at the box office, Dark, Dark Joker opens strong despite fears. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about somebody being unhinged and would go and shoot up the, the Joker movie. I actually was going to go see that. I didn't. I might go see it th- maybe today, to be honest with you. I'm not going to mess with my bike. I'm just, ugh, that damn freaking bike. So I need some entertainment in my life to keep my mind off of my my bicycle woes. Joker, uh, I went by it over the weekend, um, actually to go buy some patches. Uh, and I walked by the movie theater nearby and. People were piling in there to see the Joker. And over the weekend, it did about $93.5 million in domestic tickets over the weekend. The movie made an additional $140.5 million overseas, according to Warner Brothers. Some worried that the movie, rather than critiquing societal issues, might instead be painting an overly sympathetic portrait portrait of a man whose descent into brutal villainy echoes the backstories of actual mass shootings. You know, and that's that's a that's a thing, man. These social justice warriors, they just want to shit on everything, you know? They want to blame society's problems on solely on 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 media. And let's I'll be honest with you. I have to be honest. 
A lot of our media out there does have a big impact on how people think and act. So there is, I have to agree, in some way there has to be a level of responsibility. But I think if you're going to turn Hollywood into just a straight up, you know, Disney movie, every movie being a Disney movie, uh, Hollywood's going to tank. Prime example, look at the damn Star Wars movies. Disney took over that. And the last three movies have just been horrific. I have not seen... I can't speak to Rise of the Skywalker because that's coming out very soon here in December. And regardless, me being a big, big time Star Wars nerd, so much so, I remember back in 70... What was it? 78, 79? I remember sneaking in and seeing Star Wars into our local movie theater at least about a couple dozen times without pain. So I'm a big Star Wars nerd from the very beginning. In fact, I just, you know, what was refreshing, I was flipping through the channels, and last night TNT had the original Star Wars A New Hope on. I watched that whole damn thing. And you know what? That never gets old. That never gets old. I, I love Star Wars. I, I can watch that. I can watch the original. And, you know, it, it is kind of funny when you look at, like, some of the special effects, that, you know, like some of the creatures in, like, in the cantina scene, you know, and the, you could see the masks, they're wearing masks, you know. I mean, that's how it was back in the late 70s, you know. Special effects weren't really, you know, that, you know, great. But, you know, at the same time, you, you see some of these scenes, you know, where the Millennium Falcon is flying around and, you know, the, you know just all that kind of stuff. That's, that was innovative type of... Uh, special effects i mean that's what captivated so many people because the effects were so good for the time it, you know when it was released but then again there's that that one scene where the one of the uh, x-wing fighters he gets hit and he crashes into the death star and it kind of blows up like it looks like a, somebody lit a firework on top of the the model it's pretty funny but star wars i'll tell you man a new hope the very 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 first release one love it never gets old it's one of those movies that are just kind of timeless with me, you know? Caddyshack's like that, too. Caddyshack's a timeless one for me. But anyhow, enough of that. Uh, so Dark Joker, despite all the social justice warriors saying, it's a horrible film. It's going to induce violence. Guess what? Nobody got shot. Thank God. Uh, moving on. Animal tragedy. Six elephants die after plunging over a waterfall in Thailand. And... Ah, uh, it's horrible. There's a picture in here. Two surviving elephants were stuck on the ed were stuck on the edge of the the Hau Narok waterfall in Khao Yai National Park, Nakhon Nayak, Central Thailand. If I pronounce that correctly. Yeah, there's two. There, there's two of the elephants there. Pork. I think. Yeah, I'm a big time animal lover. Especially elephants, it just that that is kind of heartbreaking. It says uh, six wild elephants fell over a treacherous waterfall in Thailand and died after one of the one of the herd, a three-year-old, was swept away by the river, and the others tried to save it. National park officials said Sunday. Tragedy occurred after heavy rainfall, home to about 170 of the country's 3,000 wild elephants. The baby fell. The other five were trying to help. But they fell into the waterfall too, said the park's director. 
Two other elephants avoided getting swept away, but were trapped for a time when they tried to climb out of the rugged canyon. No witnesses to the episode, but park officials said that animals' tracks at the scene and their typical behavior supported the belief that the adults were trying to help the calf and one, one another when they got caught in the current and were swept over the waterfall. They were alerted by the disaster of the sound. The park official rangers were alerted by the disaster of the sound of the distraught survivors trumpeting in the early hours on Saturday. A similar accident occurred in 92 when eight elephants were swept over the same waterfall and died, said Edwin Wyke, founder of the Wildlife Friends Foundation in Thailand. The 260-foot waterfall is known as Hyu Narok, or in other words, Hell's Abyss. And the National Park is about 80 miles northeast of Bangkok. It's installed fencing along the banks of the 115-foot Samore Poon Creek to try to prevent such accidents, but it was not sufficient in this case. So that's, that's really sad. And they do got a picture of the two surviving elephants. Yep. So that's very, very unfortunate. Hmm. Oh, here we go. Here's a quick little article. News of the weird. Dirty trick. Lee Dong-jin, the mayor of Jindo County in South Korea, wanted to make International Coastal Cleanup Day special for his community. So on September 20th, the day before the global event, he instructed crews to transport more than a ton of trash that had already been collected from coastlines and deposited on the pristine beach in Jindo, according to Agents France Press. We brought in waste, styrofoam, and other coastal trash gathered from nearby areas so the 600 participants could carry out cleanup activities, Lee said. He apologized for deceiving the volunteers and assured residents that there was no secondary pollution. That is very... There is... I, I would say something to that. If, I think that's pretty stupid. I, I do a lot of coastal cleanup in the Bay Area. A lot. I actually haven't in the last week. But I should, actually, that reminds me. I should do that maybe today or tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, they're, uh, they will... Uh, these. <laughs> I don't know. Just as long as they got all of it back up. But, I mean, just to, just to entertain people, putting trash out there to entertain people... That's just stupid. I don't know. When I do volunteer with it, before we had our coastal cleanup around here, uh, my boss had said, you know, we're planning on having a couple hundred people out, you know, so this is like a couple of days before uh, the coastal cleanup was about to happen. They had basically uh, uh, we said, don't, don't clean up too much. We want to leave some for some people. I remember him saying that. I said, are you serious? He says, no, no, no. In the sensitive areas, we always want to clean it up. You know, that's a good thing. But, you know, it, like around parking lots and stuff like that. Don't clean up so much. You know, just a little, leave a little for the Boy Scouts. You know, so that way they got something to feel proud of and get a merit badge on. I I guess. I don't know. But, I mean, just to, to purposely bus in <laughs> trash. I think that's a little too strange. All right.
Let me put that aside. Sacramento. Yeah, we'll get to the Raiders and the Niners. They're looking pretty okay. Uh, but first, Sacramento. Federal authorities. This state and 43 prison phones were recovered in recent years. Court records in Sacramento court records recently filed by federal prosecutors suggest that members of the dangerous prison gangs across California are acquiring contraband cell phones with ease. Nine members of the Associates of the Aryan Brotherhood, along with other members of the Mexican Mafia, have been busted with a total of 43 prison cell phones, most of which were recovered over the past three years, according to the records. One of the inmates, Ronald Dean Yandel, 57, an alleged member of the Aryan Brotherhood Three-Man Leadership Commission <laughs> was caught with 10 cell phones from 16 to 2016-2019 according to the records. That's funny. An alleged member... I just love the title that the skinhead gets. An alleged member of the Aryan Brotherhood's Three-Man Leadership Commission. I, you, whoever, Who would ever think there's a... a, a Commissioners in the Aryan Brotherhood. But, you know, these are, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know anything about prison gangs, you know, per se. I know, I've you know, we know what we know, but, you know, I know there's a leadership role in there. And I, it's just funny when I hear the word commission. It just kind of, it's like so organized when you say things, <laughs> give it titles like that. Uh, the 10 state prison inmates in question all have one thing in common. They were all charged with racketeering and other offenses in June as part of a massive federal law enforcement operation targeting the Aryan Brotherhood in California. More than two dozen Aryan Brotherhood members and associates have been charged in four cases with crimes that include drug sales, five prison murders, and four murder plots. Uh... Just goes on. Uh, they're being housed at the the county jail in Sacramento. Uh, that's just funny. I don't know. I don't know. It, it just. <laughs> uh, I'm just. I'm just kind of whizzing through this. Um, the inmates, Andel, Daniel, Troxell, William Sylvester, Travis Burhop, Brad Daniels, Donald Mazza, Pat Brady, Jason Corbett, Samuel Keaton, Michael Torres, blah, 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 have been singled out as high-risk defendants and their prosecutors are employing rare legal tactics to limit their movements as the case slowly makes its way to trial. For instance, the U.S. Attorney's Office of California Eastern District filed a motion in September that would keep the defendants from personally appearing in court during non-critical hearings and instead appearing in video conference from their cells. All the defendants are being housed at the Sacramento County Jail, save uh, for Daniel and Torres, who are at California State Prison in Sacramento, known as New Folsom. The high-risk defendants' histories go back decades and include just about every serious rule violation an inmate can commit. There are allegations of arson, self-flooding, promotion of gang activity, sharing of contraband letters known as kites, 
drug smuggling, cell phone possession, manufacturing shanks, fistfights, and several prison murders. Also included are minor offenses such as tattooing or failing to complete work assignments. You know, when you think about... I mean, you think about how are they getting fucking cell phones in the first place? You know? You really can't shove a cell phone up your ass, you know? I know people have done that, you know, to smuggle in contraband like drugs, weed, heroin, heroin to all you you lame, you you nerds, Uh, (laughs) you know what I mean, cocaine, all that shit. They shove it up their ass. I don't know of any cell phones that are small enough that you'd want to shove up your ass. And on top of that, you're going into a prison where you're probably going to be strip searched. Before you even get into the housing area. So you know those phones are, are are coming in from outside help. Such as staff members. Maintenance people. Correction officers. Somebody's bringing those in. It's in, 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 in today's society. In today's prison. You, you just can't. You know. Talk, you know, have a guest come and visit you, a visitor come and, and just hand you over a phone. There's a big plex, big window in front of you. You have to talk through a phone to talk to the people. You know what I mean? So I, I, it's definitely a, there's a, there's some inside work being handed off to the, these people. I mean, in other words, I'm just saying they're getting, you hear the train? They're getting cell phones smuggled in. With help from like maintenance, correction officers, such like that. Yes, I live by railroad tracks. If you didn't hear that. Actually, you get used to it. It's not that bad. It's kind of like white noise, kind of in the back of your mouth. I lived by the BART tracks at my former home, and I was used to that all night. This is nothing living by a train like that. So there you go. I don't know how they're smuggling in, but they got 43 prison phones. So, alright. Before I get to the sports, I'm going to just jump around to a couple of these little articles. (laughs) This is odd news from Fox News. I'm just kind of flipping around. Ah, there's a day ago. It's a Florida woman. She's got a nice little mugshot there. And this is coming from... Florida woman was allegedly shoplifting at a big lot store. Was arrested after trying to make her getaway through a less traditional route. The ceiling. Christina Perkins, 37, was in a store located in Port Charlotte. For several hours on Thursday night before she entered the woman's restroom with a shopping cart full of merchandise... Sorry about that. Little window popped up on the screen. Uh, the store manager tried to check on Perkins in the bathroom, but noticed several garbage cans positioned in a manner of barricade to barricade the door. Charlotte County Sheriff's Office said in a, in a news release about the incident. Perkins was advised that she was caught, and police were on the way, but she never left the bathroom. The manager went inside to check on her and noticed the tile missing from the ceiling and Perkins nowhere in sight. Eventually, deputies spotted Perkins several times by removing tiles from various points in the ceiling. She admittedly didn't listen to their commands to stop and kept crawling through the ceiling. 
the, <laughs> the, the, the picture's funny. The store was evacuated due to the danger of Perkins falling through the ceiling as the 37-year-old allegedly led authorities on the odd chase, which lasted roughly six hours. As they were trying to capture Perkins, the deputy found her purse, which reportedly had three syringes and a spoon with white residue that tested positive for morphine inside. Well, there you go. I don't know if you should be high on morphine and then try to escape from the police. I don't think your frame of mind is that sharp. Not as sharp as the needle. Eventually, around 1.40 a.m., Perkins was spotted coming down from the ceiling using a stack of shelves. She was arrested when she made it to the ground. Big Lots, according to the Sheriff's Department, suffered significant damage to the ceiling, ductwork, and drywall, and will remain closed until necessary repairs can be made. Perkins was charged with felony criminal mischief, petite theft, I guess that would be petty theft, but it says petite theft, possession of drug paraphernalia, resisting a merchant, and resisting law enforcement without violence. And there's a picture of her mugshot. She looks pretty tired, a little angry. And there's a... There is a picture of missing tiles from the ceiling where she was, you can tell where she was trying to crawl, crawl through, trying to run from them. I don't know where the hell you think you're going, but okay. It's a good, Christina. Good looking out. Uh, let's go back. Yeah, so that was, that was pretty nice. Um. Yeah, here we go. Hey, Oregon. Looks like you got something to talk about here. Oregon woman catches priceless moment when man breaks into car. Is caught on camera. And it does have a, it does have video. Let me see if I can check it. Oh, there he is. Oh yeah, there you go. I think I better just turn that down. I'm just kind of taking, going to take a look at this. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> and let me see what the pic, what it shows. <laughs> Let's see if we got any volume on this. <sighs> Give it a shot. No, it doesn't have it doesn't have anything. It just basically shows. <laughs> I guess she's got she's got a dash cam pointed right. And it, the look on his face is pretty funny. He's his eyes wide open. He's got his hood on. Authorities in Oregon have have a pretty big clue about who broke into several vehicles in a Portland suburb recently after one of the break-ins and his stunned the perpetrator was caught on camera. The incident happened early Tuesday in Beaverton. Oh, I know that area very well. I lived up in Portland for a couple of years. It's actually a really beautiful area. The incident happened Tuesday in Beaverton when a woman's vehicle surveillance system caught a man getting into her car, looking straight into a dash camera, and then hurrying out. Quote, I just wanted to make sure I, re I got a really good look at him. And I laughed so hard at the shock on his face when that light came on. It was priceless. The woman who was asked not to be identified told Fox 12. I couldn't stop laughing. I played it over and over. The woman said the Alcam dashboard camera started recording once the man opened her car door. Yeah, look at his face. It, it, <laughs> it is good. It's a good one. 
Boy, if that doesn't scream guilt, I don't know what does. She said incidents like this are why she purchased the $300 camera in the first place. Quote, you set off an alarm and it scares them away. You've kept your thing, but you don't have any proof of who did what, she told Fox 12. I want to know who, so that's why I got it. The woman said she didn't realize she had left the car unlocked until she found one door wide open with the glove box and center console also removed. Now she wants the suspect's face to get as much attention as possible. The light comes, and she says, the, then the light comes on. It makes me laugh every time, she told Fox 12. The Beaverton Police Department said they are investigating the break-in in addition to another incident at the same apartment complex early Tuesday. That is funny. And it, it just got his... It, it, it is priceless. That's uh, it's just... That woman, that's pretty good. So there you go. Uh, Alcam, I guess that's what it was called. Uh, hmm. This is four days ago, but I'll still I'll talk about it real quick. I think I talked about a deer getting stuck in a pool in, what was that, New Hampshire? I talked about that. Well, here's a moose. He gets stuck in New Hampshire pool. Again, another New Hampshire pool. Forcing rescuers to get creative. Uh, a very large animal got stuck in New Hampshire pool Tuesday night. And was not, it was not amused. See, I hate when these people that write these stories write stupid shit like that. Now, what the hell is going on? God, these things keep popping up. Shut up. A very large animal got stuck in the New Hampshire pool Tuesday night and was not amused. Okay, bad jokes going on here. A young pool, a young bull moose waited in the backyard pool and couldn't climb out for hours because it didn't have stairs. Officials said the New Hampshire Fish and Game Department swooped in to save the moose, eventually coaxing it out of the pool by placing wooden, a wooden set of stairs under, under, underwater. Ugh. Come on, Dan. Wake up. After emerging from the water, the moose took off into the woods. Biologists and local conservation officers took to social media to warn people that moose breeding season was underway and moose looking to mate could end up in similarly compromising situations. So there's horny mooses out there. So be on the lookout. They act a little crazy when they're horny. All right. I don't know how much more of this I got. Speaking of moose, Here's a video. This is just four hours ago, actually. It's a video. No article. Well, it just has a video. And that's all I'm playing right here. If it ever starts. So here we go. Moose Lady. I don't know what else we're going to get from this. 
Cruz. And I started backpacking alone the week I turned 18. And Audrey Dickinson feels at home. Just kind of Most any time outdoors. And I started backpacking alone the week I turned 18. And Audrey Dickinson feels at home. It's just kind of a nice escape to be by myself out there. Hiking Uneva Pass near Copper Mountain recently, she came across a moose. I like, kept an eye on her because she was definitely... Not happy that I was That's a there. big moose. She took out her phone from what she thought was a safe distance. I know you should be like at least 75 feet from them. And I was 200 feet from them. Within moments. As I started taking that video, that's when the second moose came out. A hiker's fear coming true. I kind of started backing up towards like the forest. Both moose charging in one direction. And I hid behind a tree. That tree likely saved her from injury. There was like a switchback behind me. So I thought about like going down it. But when I started moving, they started running again. So I got back in the tree. Putting an object between yourself and a charging moose, exactly what Colorado Parks and Wildlife recommends in an emergency. So there for another minute or so, and they ran off to the other side of the meadow, and I just left. Feeling grateful to walk away unharmed. It could have been much worse. Her message to you? Moose are not cute, cuddly animals. I was really looking forward to this, like, really long hike. And it's, the hike will always be there another day. He said to Susan, <laughs> Fox 31. Yeah, that would ruin the hike right there. So the video doesn't show too much, but it does show the moose, the moose, mooses, the meese coming out of the out of the woods, and they were quite far away from from what the video shows. And uh, well, lucky for her, she is okay. The moose are okay. So there you go. All right. Uh. Let me just kind of finish up. Uh, here, a little sports. I know I'm running a little late. 27 minutes already. Jesus Christ. Man. Uh, so, it looks like strange, the report here in the Bay Area News Group sports section. Strange days. 49ers, Browns meet as playoff contenders. So that's where they're taught. That's where their heads are at. Yeah, the Browns have have they been? I don't, I haven't even checked the scores. Yes, I have to be honest with you. I was so busy with I was so caught up in trying to fix my damn bike. I totally missed the Raider game, the 49er game. I had to you know relive all of it through highlights. Um, the Raiders thankfully went against a good team and won twenty four to twenty one. Defense showed up, man. Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, 28, who ran 123 yards overall. Goes past Bears nose tackle Eddie Goldman for a touchdown in London. They'll be playing the Packers coming up October 20th at 10 a.m. on CBS. Check your local listings. So, they won. They're 3-2. and two. Raiders are 3-2. and two. Hooray. Um, I guess the 49ers are on a bye. I really don't follow it. Oh, no, 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 no. Excuse me. They are playing today. It's a Monday. It looks like it's a Monday night football on ESPN. Browns versus the Raiders. That's interesting because those are the two. We always known them to be two suck teams, and it looks like they're actually doing pretty good. At least I know the Niners are, so good for them. So they'll be playing today. Seven-run outburst propels Dodgers. Washington and the Do in L.A. They're going at it. 
We'll get into all that shit later. Warriors done. Start off their season in the new digs over at the Chase Center. Uh, Stephen Curry decided he was going to shoot it before tip-off on Saturday night. That was choreographed since, like, Friday. Uh, I don't know what the hell this is all about. It's all preseason and shit. So they're getting they're getting their little digs in. Fantastic. I'm done for the day. It's been 30 minutes. I'm not really in the mood to talk anymore. I talk too much. But definitely, Reliant Management, you suck. I hate you guys. What you're doing to people out there, and you're and you're and you're copping money off the off the government to do it. That's that's even more. I don't, I want to look into this particular story. This group. Sickens me what they're doing. All right, guys, that's enough. Uh, it's been a busy weekend. I got to work on my bike. I got a lot of things I got to do today. I don't even know why I'm rambling the way I am. But anyhow, that being said, thank you so much for tuning in. Please check out my YouTube channel, World of Dan, capital W-O-R-L-D, capital O-F, capital D-A-N, all one word and no spaces. Put out a, I don't know what was the last video I put out. I got the 35th annual coastal cleanup. Oh, and I did put out. There's one of where I um, went out to this one area, in uh, in the Southern Bay area, near San Jose in the Alvisa district. They have a wetlands marsh out there. I spend there's a few minutes of me out there and just kind of checking out the view. So go ahead, check out the video, give it a thumbs up, like, subscribe, all that favorite, share it. All that good stuff. And all the other miscellaneous videos I'll have out there. Um, I've been doing a lot of events and, and, and a lot of volunteering type videos on there lately. But uh, and, and leaving this for all my rants and stuff like that. But I think I might do some video rants too. I miss doing that. Plus I'm going to... Oh, and I said I was going to start up with the, the pickums with my NFL pick. I, I, I'm still going to do that. I just haven't really caught up my brain hasn't caught up with the whole thing yet that being said ladies and gentlemen thank you for tuning in i hope everybody has a wonderful wonderful monday and i will talk to you tomorrow peace out